Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. This is episode 200 and the season four finale of Jumpstart Your Joy. Welcome to the show, you guys. This week, I'm so excited to be doing the top 10 countdown of the most downloaded episodes of season four for Jumpstart Your Joy. I do this each season, and it is so much fun to get to go back and re-listen to some of my favorite parts of these most downloaded episodes and kind of relive some of the fun that I've had over the last year with these guests and the solo casts that show up in the charts here. (laughs) So I'm really glad you guys are here. And before we get into the countdown, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much, really, from the bottom of my heart for listening each week and loving these episodes and listening to them when they first came out. Uh, It's really you guys who make the show so special and and make something like a top 10 countdown possible. So thank you. If you're new or you want to find out more about the show, you can find the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And while you're there, of course, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I do a three things Thursday, where I unpack a little bit more of the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take based on the weekly episode that's coming out. And you can find that at the bottom of any of the posts. Uh, And if you're looking for show notes or want to read a little bit more about the episode you're hearing today, you can find that at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final four with the number four. And you'll see all the links to the full length episodes of the top 10 if you're curious and you want to go back to listen to them as well. So let's jump right in. And these are all um, ranked by the number of downloads that they received over a given year. It's always kind of hard because, of course, the episodes that came out earlier in the season have, you know, they have had longer to accumulate more downloads. So it's not unusual to see some of the higher ranked ones in a season being from early. The thing that did surprise me from this season, though, I have to say, was that five of the top 10 were solo casts. That's my name for when I do a show all on my own. And so that was really interesting to me and exciting as well. So number 10 on our countdown this week is one of those solo casts. It's episode 179, which is Setting Boundaries and Defining Your Niche. And in this episode, I kind of did a mashup between my thoughts on why we all as entrepreneurs should niche down, which of course is a popular way of saying, you know, make your offerings really specific and to a specific persona or (laughs) group of people. Um, And I layered in that idea of niching down with Brene Brown's quote about clear is kind and unclear is unkind. And Why I really love this episode is that it was really an aha moment for me because I think when we start out as entrepreneurs or start a business of our own, there's that huge temptation to try and offer everything to everyone. And let me just explain some of my thinking here in this quote from episode 179. 
I think it's really important for each of us to narrow down the things that we are going to do for work or for our career as an entrepreneur so that we can focus on it and become highly skilled at it and that it becomes an offering that we become known for. It's definitely going to be one of those things that you really love doing. In my case, that's podcasting and kind of mixing in project management and coaching. And so that's a really unique blend but it's also somewhat narrowly focused. And so it allows me to talk about what I do and share with other people about it. It's also something that's meaningful to me. And I think that's really important when you're looking for something and defining it for yourself as an entrepreneur. And so those are all the reasons that I feel like it's very important for you to to name your niche and really start to own it as an entrepreneur instead of trying to be all things to all people and potentially run yourself ragged in the process. The other thing that I want to focus on in this week's show is around how do we set up kind boundaries and clear boundaries for your time as an entrepreneur. And that is both around the time that you are working each day, the time that you are available for work, and how do you set that up to really honor and build in self-care. Because I know from having gone from a corporate schedule, which is of course very structured, and you know what to expect, into a more open-ended and free-flowing schedule when I work for myself, that it is important for me to set up boundaries. The ninth most downloaded episode of season four is episode 177 with author Renee Linnell. She wrote The Burn Zone, and Renee, at age 33, woke up one morning and realized that she had very unintentionally joined a Buddhist cult. What had started as a quest for spiritual learning and finding a place that felt like home to her after she had lost many of the people that were closest to her by the about by about age 15. This group that she had joined turned out to be a an intense group, very well-versed in brainwashing, and that had been converting others to bring in money to support their larger cause. Now, the thing that really stands out for me about this conversation with Renee is how she describes the person that she became after she had left this group and healed from the very intense um, experience of being a part of them. And here she is in her very own words. Yes, the woman called the front row of the meditation seminar the burn zone because we Mm -hmm. were so close to all of her light. But as I went through this total shattering of my life and my paradigm of the world and my sanity, and I realized that as I came out the other side that I had been in a crucible. And that I had melted and that when life comes along and truly beats the crap out of us, if we hang in there, we come out the other side, a softer, purer, kinder, more compassionate, more authentic version that's so beautiful. And it makes me realize that we really are so protected all along the way. You know, people ask me, well, how can you forgive those people that used you and you lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and abused you. And mm-hmm. and I just went, I know it sounds cliche, but I love the person I am on the other side. Now, gosh, my approach to life, I had been searching so high and low for, and this again sounds cliche, where they say it's everything you're searching for is within you. 
but since your podcast is all about joy, mm-hmm. what what I finally realized was I had been trying to be these versions of me that I wasn't, that I thought would please my parents or please the world or please my teachers. And after being so beat up by life, I just didn't have the energy to do that anymore. And the facades got stripped off. And yeah. as I built myself back together, I built just the authentic pieces. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm actually quite good at being me, the weird, quirky, introverted, shy, psychic, clear audience, super sensitive me. I was really bad at being all those other versions, but being me is so easy that it's actually fun. And then when it's fun, life becomes fun. And then when life is fun, I become kind (laughs) and I'm nice to people because I'm happy. And then suddenly I am living saint-like every day just by being kind and happy. Sharon Prentice joined me in episode 175, which was the eighth most downloaded episode of season four. Sharon is the author of the book Becoming Starlight, and in this book and in our interview, she talks about how she had a shared death experience at the time of her husband Steve's passing. Now, I wasn't familiar with what a shared death experience was until I encountered her book, and it is very similar to a near-death experience, except it happens when someone is close to someone who is passing on, and they join in part of the experience with them. The thing that really stood out for me about this conversation with Sharon was the deep-seated knowing that she got of God's love for her and that there is not a nothing on the other side of death, but there is a vast expanse of everything. And I don't have the words for it, but Sharon did the most amazing job of explaining the experience that she had at the time of the near-death experience and what it meant for her. And so here's the part of our conversation where she explains that. Sometimes I look back on all of this stuff and I'm thinking, was that me? You know, was that was that truly my life? Was I that girl that was so full of rage and hatred and, and such despair? You know, it's hard now because, I mean, I every morning I get up with a smile on my face and I, and I thank God for doing what he has done. And people have asked me too, you know, when I was there, did I ask him why did you take my daughter? You know, why mm-hmm. did you take yeah. my husband? And the funny thing is, it didn't matter. It didn't matter because I knew everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. Now, of course, if I were ever taken back, I'd say, why? Why did you do all of this? You know, I'd like to think that I would say, come on, give. But he didn't feel it necessary to tell me his plans or to tell me why he he runs the universe the way he does. But at the time, it was okay. I needed to know that these things happen because they're supposed to happen. I needed to know that they were okay. You know, one of the biggest things that people also say to me, one of their biggest fears is when they get these this, these diagnoses, what's going to happen to me? Am I just going to disappear? Am I just going to turn into nothingness? I mean, what's all this for? And I needed an answer to that. Were they just gone? You know, was there... What what was there? I needed an answer to that. And I got that answer, even though I didn't ask the question. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that he was okay, and I knew that he was going where Stephanie was. 
And that saved my life. It really did. Knowing that we don't just turn into nothingness and we don't just disappear. And that, you know, to me, death is just birth in reverse. Right. And, and you just, you go home. Mm. I That's know. That's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> oh, this has been just so good, Sharon. Thank you. I yeah. love telling people not because of my particular story, but because if I can take some of the fear and anxiety away from people who need that taken away, I'll do it. No, I can't take it all away, but I can sure start the process. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that is very true and that there is such a sense of hope in amongst mm-hmm. the, the grief and the despair that yeah. sometimes we just need to know that it's there. A solo cast, which was in episode 190 and entitled Commitment, Fear, and My Nellie Olson Moment, joins the top 10 at the number seven spot. Now, a little bit of context for this episode and what it was all about. Um, Way back in season one, in episode 15, I had Alison Arngrim on the show, and she is the actress that played Nellie Olson in Little House on the Prairie for, you know, television. <laughs> and I really love that show. I love the books. And for years, like, Nellie Olson really represented this ultimate mean girl for me. And in having spoken with Allison, it seems like it's kind of a global phenomenon phenomenon as well. People in France, in fact, can't get enough of Nellie Olson because everybody loves that she was just so awful to people. And so it was really exciting for me to get to have her as the first big guest that I've ever had on the show on. And the thing that I didn't talk about at the time was that having the ultimate mean girl on the show actually triggered a lot of my own inner mean girl. (laughs) And so I thought it was important to kind of share this other side of what happens when you get into a creative pursuit and maybe get hung up along some of, you know, the inner mean girl showing up while you're trying to do the thing that you love to do. And so here are my thoughts on my Nellie Olson moment. I also learned in that moment that courage means sticking with something even when it's hard And, you know, you'd rather run away from it. And it kind of reminds me of one of the quotes that I love about courage so much, which is by Meg Cabot, which is, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather deciding that there is something more important than the fear. The next thing that I know came, became very apparent and very real was that the inner mean girl can pop up any time over things that maybe like would appear really small from the outside. And that inner girl, that inner mean girl, she really means business. Like she can get really worked up over some basic things, you know, basically I just have a conversation with one nice lady that happened to play a mean lady on a TV show and my inner girl's pissed. So I think just being kind with yourself and realizing like, Anything can bring up stuff from the past, and you're going to find that it does when you start on a creative pursuit like a podcast, and knowing that it can happen at any time and that she means business, but that kindness and grace and space are all answers to the thing that you can offer yourself if those things do come up. I also learned that trusting myself builds more trust and that setting a commitment for yourself can hold a vision for your higher self and can guide you. 
And I bring all of this up, you know, these three things of saying yes to your, your creative pursuit, committing to yourself, and then staring down your inner mean girl. I'm committed to seeing everybody through that moment where you're like, holy cow, what just came up for me? And I want people to hang on past the moment when you want to quit, because that's when the magic really happens. I'm not going to let you quit. (laughs) If you've said yes to this and made a commitment, I want you to get to the other side of fear, right? There's that famous saying of everything you want is on the other side of fear, because I feel like we are all the feisty, scrappy underdogs in this new wild west. And then it's time to circle the wagons with each other so that we can help get our own voices out there and that we can help level each other up and get more of these voices and these important stories out into the world because they need to be told. Your special gift needs to be shared with the world. In season four, I had the distinct pleasure of having Andrea Owen come back on the show for a second episode. And she, of course, is a coach and a podcaster and the author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life and How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which are both amazing books. And in episode 165, we talked about how to be taken seriously even when you're not a serious person. And I really love this conversation because it's been something that I've been kind of juggling and struggling with over the last few years is kind of at the heart of myself, I'm a total goofball and I love being ridiculous and silly and and kind of, you know, putting on a show and just being ridiculous. But at the same time, I also really value being taken seriously and being seen as an expert And, you know, being taken um, in a serious way for the things that I do. And I think that there's a disconnect between those two things in a lot of society. And so it was really amazing to get to talk to Andrea about this same thing. And we, of course, laugh our butts off. And um, (laughs) I mean, really, I have not laughed this hard in a long time. And, And so here's what Andrea has to say about being taken seriously when you're not distinctly a serious person. I struggle with something I bet is similar to what you're kind of dealing with, which is like, I, I am a goofball, but I struggle with this idea that like, I have to be serious to be taken seriously. And how do I balance out like that space of really funny, but also dealing with serious stuff. Like, so I don't, that felt like a topic we could, I don't know. Yeah, it's, and I don't have like all the answers. I'm still no, kind of yeah. in it, but I think that that's, I think it's helpful for listeners sometimes when people are just riffing off of being like in the weeds. And it's not like mm-hmm. this is like a deep, dark place that I'm in. Like, oh, it's so hard. I don't know how to, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? my personal brand. <laughs> um, but it's, I want to point out one thing that you said that was really interesting to me because I have felt this way too. And I realize it's my inner critic when I think I need need to be serious for people to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. That's inner critic bullshit. And, and I also think that it's, you know, I can only speak from being a woman, being a cisgendered woman growing up in America is my experience to be taken seriously. We can't be a goofball. Yes. I think that is a really strong message that comes through. And it's almost like we have to be careful. Is there some message out there? Like you better be careful because if you're seen as silly, then I I don't even know what the then is because then that's all inner critic likely, but like, I don't know what the then is. 
then people won't take you seriously as a, um, as a podcaster, as a life coach, as a professional. That's the messaging that I've told myself and mm-hmm. have, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I've, I've mostly gotten over it. And part of it is just because my, the evidence and research that I've done, <laughs> having had a podcast for five years and been blogging for 10 mm-hmm. is that my audience says, Oh my God, when you and your friends came on the podcast talking about your vagina being strangled by your bodysuit, I laughed so hard I spit my coffee out. And I was like, and when that moment, that's a true story, when that moment happened, I'm thinking like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like who's listening? I think that when there's humor in healing, it can just help us along. It really can. Coming in at number five on the countdown is episode 171, which was how to start a business when you have a nine to five job. This was a solo cast that I did, which was kind of a behind the scenes and a tell all about how it was that I went from being very much a nine to five person with a corporate job and a salary and then started my own business, which of course is about podcasting and podcast consulting and production And I also do life coaching, but how I grew that while I was still working a nine to five job. And it was, you know, it was a lot of hard work. Yes. And it was the path that my own coach back in the day, Michelle Ward of When I Grow Up Coach had talked about and also continues to talk about, which is that once you start building a business, then you will get to the point where you have enough clients and you can kind of step over to the business you've you've built without there being a huge gap in, you know, salary and all of that because you've done the thing and you've built the business. And judging by this episode's placement in the top downloads, this is a topic that a lot of people maybe aren't discussing or aren't talking about in a transparent way. And to be totally honest, those of you who have followed for a while, you'll know that I I did make a leap out to being out on my own once before and then went back to a corporate job because I frankly was not making enough money to have that or that initial try be viable. But so it was with great pride <laughs> and total pleasure that I did announce in January that I was leaving and making this my full-time gig. And so in episode 171, I talked a little bit about right-sizing your efforts, which means focusing on the thing that matters most. And here it is. Here's the questions that I would ask yourself um, for your journey in this inspiration phase. If you're stuck in a place that doesn't feel right, and I think you access your body, do you have a full body no going on? I want you to get curious. What's going on? What isn't working? Can you define it for yourself? If you access your body, and stay there for just a few minutes. What do you sense? And that really is kind of the body sense. What do you sense is going on? What wisdom comes up when you think about the job you currently have? Is there something to learn about this situation? Because I think that'll be something really important for you to notice. What's not working? Why isn't it working? And how can that inform what you want next, right? So you don't just repeat the pattern. If you're not feeling like you fully know what the next thing is for you, can you tap into something that you know you want more of? So similar to my saying, I know I want more of the retreat thing, whatever that is, I kind of know the pieces of it that I love. You could stop and think for a little bit, okay, what else 
have I done that has similarities or something that I can tap into that feels similar to that other thing that I know I like? The important footnote here is that you don't have to have that thing fully fleshed out for you just to take the next step. And because that's actually a lie that <laughs> fear likes to tell you, because when you believe you have to have it all figured out, Coming in at the number four spot is the interview with Jess Ekstrom, who is the CEO of Headbands of Hope, and that was episode 169. We met in Atlanta last year at a conference, and Jess is hilarious and energetic and amazing and really has this inspiring and action-filled go get them attitude. And what I really loved about having her on the show was that we talked about what happens when you say yes and then figure it out later, but also what happens when maybe sometimes you get moving on something. And in this case, she and I were talking about my podcasting class and her mic drop workshop that she's created and how we both kind of just showed up and said yes to these things. Like they seem like something we wanted to put out into the world and how that kind of made all the difference. I also very much love that Jess is completely transparent in the fact that there's some things that she's tried in the past that didn't work out as she would have planned. And so I love that she also rounds out this quote that you guys will hear about saying that there is so much growth that comes from those things that maybe don't pan out the way that you think they will. I also want to add that Jess has a book coming out and congratulations to her and it is called Chasing the Bright Side. So I very much hope that she will be back in season five to talk all about that book. But here's Jess in her own words. But then there was just this one thing where I was like, what if this could launch one person's speaking career where they could make a huge impact through their story and an income while doing it just for like one person? Would that be worth it to me? And it was. And so I did it. And now that's turned into hundreds of amazing women and an awesome community um, at Mic Drop Workshop. But it's like just watering the flowers more than you water your weeds. It's like, what could bloom from this and make that more exciting than what could go wrong? There's that gap. It's cool to be able to provide something that teaches people to fish too, you know, like a class um, and, and kind of help create like something of value that mobilizes people has been a a really cool journey this, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other really juicy part right there that I love is that you went forth with the idea and launched it and then it has grown. And I think there's a really interesting nugget right there about like it. You don't have to to listeners if you're like, I don't know how to do an e-course or a course like you don't have to have all the things figured out right up front. Right. You don't have to know everything to put it out there. You probably already know enough about a subject to create. Right. Exactly. And you can add yeah. to it as you go because you're going to learn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And just I think it's it's great that my drops have grown. But mm-hmm. I also want to point out that I've started things that haven't grown. Sure. <laughs> and, yes. and you live to tell about it. And, <laughs> and yep. maybe they like I think the best kind of confidence that you can have is when you realize that there's life after mistakes because it, it, then it really mobilizes you to go for it. Um, mm-hmm. And if you try five different things and one of them works, that's still a huge win. 
the third most downloaded episode of season four was entitled How to Embrace Joy Even When It Feels Hard. And this was episode 184. It's a solo cast that I did. And I'm calling it another one of the mashup episodes that I did, which involves the wizardry <laughs> of Dr. Brene Brown. Uh, I had watched her Netflix special. If you have not seen it, you need to. And in that, she shares her study of shame and vulnerability and she discovered and states there that joy is the most vulnerable of all emotions. I took inspiration from that observation and coupled it with a visit to my favorite summer camp, Kenelan, <laughs> which I worked at for many years and actually revisited this summer. And so in this episode, I talk about how I, I hadn't really put a lot of thought into how or why joy might be a vulnerable emotion for people. I'm so easily drawn to it that that actually kind of seemed like a very foreign concept to me. I know that joy is a big emotion, and I also do know that people are often afraid of really showing or emoting the big emotions. But looking at this a little bit further led me to look at why joy is important to me and to share a little bit more about why I think it is important to all of us. So here's a little bit of an excerpt. I found myself up against this question of when did being joyful get to be hard? When did that happen? Because clearly we all started out in this way that it was so simple and easy and fun and we didn't think about having to tune into joy. It just happened. So when did it become vulnerable to be joyful and experience joy? Well, the other really interesting bookend to this week was, of course, Brene Brown has recently released an amazing special on Netflix called The Call to Courage. And here's a quote. You can't have joy without allowing yourself to be seen. Joy is the most vulnerable and terrifying of all human emotions. Vulnerability is the birthplace of joy. True belonging requires you to be who you are. And this just struck me so solidly that as children, joy is easy. It comes naturally. And I saw it all week and I know it to be true. And kind of the aha moment for myself, if I put these two things together, the ease with which children experience joy and then the hardness with which adults experience joy is that I've got to believe that somewhere along the way that it was in growing up and being conditioned for this world through school and through other experiences, through playing softball in my case, through even possibly going to camp, that there were rules about how to be, that this growing up and this conditioning in our world is what taught each of us that joy is vulnerable and hard. Of course, I can't go <laughs> an episode like this without also bringing in Henry Nouwen's quote of, joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. And I think that is joy in a nutshell and the dance that I have experienced. And of course, it is the quote that kind of is the pinnacle or the cornerstone for this, this whole podcast. <laughs> the number two most downloaded episode of season four is the interview with Stacia Zavasic on dressing for confidence and joy. And it was episode 181. 
This interview was just really so special in so many ways. I really love hearing all about Stacia's journey to becoming a stylist because it is somewhat of an unusual one and it is so full of inspiration. From the time that her differently abled daughter, Raisa, was very young, she wanted to wear what Stacia refers to in air quotes throughout the episode as boy clothes. And Stacia had dressed her in bootcut jeans and cute dresses, and that wasn't something that Raisa liked at all. And so one day when they were shopping in their local thrift shop, Raisa picked out a button-down shirt and a tie with the help of a salesperson and asked her mom to buy it for her. The thing that then unfolds is that Stacia realizes that her own daughter is teaching her something about style that she herself had had a hard time learning, which is what she's come to call inside-out congruency, which is so lovely and so mind-blowing, and it was such an honor to have Stacia on the show. So here she is explaining what she learned and how it unfolded for her. Take a listen. As soon as we got home, Raisa put on the shirt and, te- and the necktie. And she looked in the mirror. She she took her own breath away. And it was like she looked in the mirror and did one of those like, <gasps> like she lost her breath when she saw herself in the shirt and necktie. Yeah. And she said, Mama, Aww. look how handsome I look. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't pretty. It was handsome. Right. Mm. And then she runs across the living room and says, Mama, Mama, look how much faster I can run. And then she jumps up and down and says, Mama, look how much higher I can jump when I'm wearing a shirt and tie. And that, that like, that became yeah. the thing. She can run faster and jump higher when she was wearing clothes on the outside that matched who she was on the inside. There's so much yes. joy in that. So much oh. joy and so much. And when you look at it big picture, here I am. She's telling me this is who I am. And and it was her teaching me the power of congruency. I was starting to get it with my own, like on Monday, I feel great on Tuesday. I don't and starting to put it together, but I didn't understand the gravity of it. I didn't understand how powerful it was in terms of not just it, it, it transcends fitting in, which is what I thought my whole life was about, was trying to figure out my place in the world on where I could fit instead of determining where I belong. And I get to make mm. that call. Fitting in, you're waiting on somebody else to decide for you. Belonging, you get to make that call. So <laughs> it, it occurred to me that as women, we spend way too much time trying to fit in, trying to figure out the rules. Nobody ever taught me. I didn't read the right magazines. The magazines didn't work for me. My body's not the right body. All that stuff is nonsense. It's all shit. It's not applicable, right? Really, the only thing we have to do is say, who am I on the inside? And how can I reflect that on the outside? Because that's the congruency. And that's Mm -hmm. the missing piece. And we keep being directed towards everything outside of us. Catalogs, Pinterest, fancy Instagram feeds. That's not where the answer lies. Any question that you have about style, the answer is inside of you. Yeah, you You just have to trust that you know it. it. It's wicked scary. So it's that process of trusting yourself and fully stepping into yourself, which is scary because it's vulnerable because you're putting it all out there for people to see, right? Mm -hmm. And yes, it's scary. And here we are at the number one most downloaded episode 
for season four for Jumpstart Your Joy, and I'm really excited to announce that it was Johnny Pollard on How to Awaken the Truth of Who You Are. And Johnny joined me back in episode 168. It was a really lovely conversation. Johnny is a meditation and wisdom teacher with his teaching stemming from the Vedic tradition. He's a co-founder of the One Giant Mind Learn Meditation course and One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. He also is a multi-passionate, which of course is a favorite thing around these parts. He's been an actor, he was an avid skateboarder, and a runner. And now he works with corporations, individuals, and at events, teaching others how to get into the highest state of love and connect to our humanity. I just loved this conversation with Johnny so much. It was one of those, as he's talking, it's he's so intense and like so lovely to listen to that I just found myself easing into the conversation. And um, yeah, I wish that there had been more time. It would be a, such a delight to have him come back on. Johnny is the author of The Golden Sequence, a manual for reclaiming our humanity. And for this episode, he unpacked what the four golden insights are. And it really is a treat to hear him talk about those four pillars, which are one, life is sacred. Two, love is our nature. Three, wisdom is our power. And four, fulfillment is our purpose. And so here's just a little bit of him talking about these four pillars. Would you go through the four golden insights? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. The, the purpose of the, the four golden insights are to to act as pillars whenever we are experiencing some kind of dissonance or anxiety or uncertainty to reestablish our foundation. And they are the precursor to the actual golden sequence technique, which we can talk about as well, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, so these these four these four pillars act as the the foundation for doing the golden sequence work. That the first of the four golden insights is life is sacred. This is the fundamental truth of our humanity. Mm-hmm. When we remove fear and we are able to innocently be here now in the present moment and allow our senses to connect with the the experience of being alive, just the revelation. Of our, of our existence yields a profound understanding of the magnificence and the, mag- the magnitude of our existence. The fact that we are aware and can comprehend that we exist in this extraordinary universe and, and comprehend the level of intelligence, the, the magnanimous nature of it, how big it is. It's just it's extraordinary. The revelation is that, oh my goodness, I exist. And isn't it extraordinary? <laughs> and uh, isn't it the, the single most precious thing? My existence, that I exist. This is, this is the deepest truth that defines us as human beings, that we can behold the magnificence of our own existence. And we refer to that revelation as sacredness. Life is sacred. Now, this is the, 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 the first principle that then gives rise to the second golden insight. Love is our nature. Mm-hmm. Love, and, love is our nature um, is revealed within the first revelation that life is sacred. When we behold the sacredness of life, we immediately experience 
a swelling in our heart, a compulsion or an instinct to want to serve, nurture, cultivate an ever-deepening relationship to the sacredness of life. When we truly behold the sacredness of life, all we want to do is nurture it to go, oh my God, it's so amazing. I just want to be ever in ever deepening connection and relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And I define this as love. Yeah. Love is that instinct to want to nurture connection, shared growing experience and belonging to whatever and whomever we are interacting with or engaging with. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple definition of love. And it is spontaneous. It's instinctive. It's, it's the first thing that occurs when we behold the sacredness of life. When we, know, when, when we behold something as sacred, what do we want to do is nurture it mm-hmm. so that we can grow it, cultivate it. Um, and so out of, out of the, the second golden insight, love is our nature, emerges the third. And the third is wisdom is our power. And I define wisdom as the intelligence of love. So the instinct to nurture greater connection, growth, and belonging um, to that which we behold as sacred is the uh, expression of love. And the way that love expresses itself is through wisdom. It's a very simple, elegant way of defining wisdom. Wisdom is that intelligence that is always seeking to reconcile the uh, appearance of opposites, the appearance of what is seemingly irreconcilable. It is always seeking to bridge the gap between things that appear separate to understand the underlying unity within it. And there they are, the top 10 of season four for Jumpstart Your Joy. You guys, I want to say thank you so much always for listening in. If you want to get the individual links for any of these full-length episodes that we've just counted down, they are all in the show notes for this specific episode, which is at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash final four with the number four right there. And if you want to sign up for the newsletter there, you can. I will be sending out three things Thursday, every Thursday, where I share a little bit more about the inspiration, intention, and action of bringing joy into your life and how it ties into the topics that were on each week's show. So next week on the show, I'm really excited to be jumping in to some of the look back episodes where we are going to replay some of these very favorite episodes from season four. And so I hope that you guys will come on back for that next week. And I want to say a big special thank you and celebration for 200 episodes I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for four amazing seasons. And until we speak again, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.